The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab number 177 for October 24th, 2008. It's not October, is it, John? <laughs> It's it's November. <laughs> it was. It was October. Yeah, and you know, October twenty fourth is a good day. That's the day I got married. So you know, you can't oh, can't blame me. So that it is sticks in your head. Okay, November twenty fourth, and it still is Matt Geekab one seventy seven. I got that part right, and that's why the tape is going to continue to roll. Keep rolling. Hi, John. Hi, Dave. How are you? Oh, it was a good weekend. Oh, I got so much stuff done. Did all the leaves. Well, that's good. Oh, and I'm not aching, so I guess I'm not totally out of shape because uh, I think I've got 17 bags of leaves. Wow, that's a lot of leaves, man. Yeah, but they yeah. they pick them up. Of course, it's going to be like a torrential downpour tonight, so hopefully they won't all get blown off the curb. And... Right, right. Okay, enough so about in leaves, a, though. In, in addition to raking leaves, in the last uh, couple of days, you went to a, an event in New York. Is that right? Yeah, I liked raking the leaves, though. I really want to talk more about that, but no. So I went to an event, uh, Wine, Dine, and Demo, uh, one of these New York City events. Actually, I met Mr. Hazel, Hazelrig? Yeah. Yes, he was there. Yep. Apparently, um, yes, he, he does some interesting stuff on the side. So yeah. uh, it, was, it was good to meet him face-to-face. So um, he's one of our valued and uh, frequent contributors uh, right. to the show. So hi, Robert. It was great to meet you. Um, and here are the things. I'm going to go over four things very quickly that I saw that were interesting. Um, not necessarily for the holidays, but just because they were cool. So the first thing, um, the Easy Bloom plant sensor. This thing is neat. So it's a device you basically jam into the ground. Um, not jam, you know, you got to be gentle. Um, but it measures light, temperature, humidity, and soil moisture. What can this do for you? Number one, if you don't yet have any plants planted, it will tell you the best plants for your environment based on those variables. Um, so if I check. plug this thing in uh, and then I, I, I have no plants planted, I plug this thing in and then I bring it back. Uh, it, it's going to tell me, uh, listen, fake plants are for you, buddy. That's that's all. That's, uh, that's gonna it work. could. Okay. It could. But but uh, uh, currently what you do with the device is that, you know, it hangs out um, when it's collected data. You then disconnect the the uh, collector, which has a USB port, plug it in your computer and then it deals with their website. Um, they don't yet have Mac support. They will in 2009. But um, yeah, so it does a number of things. So either it'll tell you the best plants for where you are based on those variables. Number two, it'll diagnose your ailing plants so you can bring them back to health. And I assume it'll tell you what the heck you're doing wrong. Either you don't have enough light or you're not watering it enough or the soil's too dry or too moist, whatever. Um, Brown just thumb like really... syndrome, right? Does exactly. It, does it identify that? Okay, got it. So for the people that buy a plant and it dies after days or weeks, this is for you. Um, but also outdoors, you know, uh, again, it measures the variables that are most important and that they've cataloged that have to do with healthy plants. So but, I thought that was darn cool. But it's only for Windows users. And that's because Mac people are in, intuitively better gardeners than Windows users. <laughs> so, you said that, not that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Next. Um, number two, click-free backup. They are at uh, um, goclickfree.com. And they have a, a backup product that, that seems, uh, and, and right now it's currently for Windows, another thing that's currently Again. for Windows but will be for Mac. But it will be for Mac and very okay. soon. And, and, you know, I saw this trend, and i got to say it's good. So yeah. companies, rather than saying Mac is too small, we're not going to deal with it, they're saying, you know, based on the resources required, we're considering it. And it's 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 down the line because I think Max market share as of late has justified a lot of companies taking a second look at the platform. It's true, especially in these trying economic times. Hey, you can get all the sales. You need all the sales you can get. So, yeah, yeah. try to weigh the cost of developing versus the audience out there, because Mac people, if it's a good product, they'll scoop it up. So anyways, click free backup is very similar to Time Machine, but it has a different slant in that, uh, so number one, when you pl- so they offer both a drive product right now. So it's a drive with a special connector. It has the software. You plug it in, it just starts launching the software, starts doing a full backup, and then an incremental backup. But the uh, focus they take is on applications or document types versus backing up the whole darn thing, like Time Machine, which I think is both good and bad. So it's good if you only care about your pictures, 
or your PowerPoints or this document type or that document type, because I don't really think Time Machine was meant to discriminate among those different things. It just does everything. So again, it's good and bad. If you need to back up everything, like if you want to migrate your system over to another one, or you're just you want everything there in case something terrible happens, that's great. But if you don't, uh, I would I would say that Time Machine may not lend itself to easily excluding things. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, well, with privacy, with the privacy panel, I guess, but it's, but it's kind yeah. of a reverse thing. You're saying what I don't want. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Time machine is if you don't want everything, it, it gets weird. If you if you want to if you only want to exclude a few things, it's fine. If you only want to include a few things, it's terrible uh, because you have to exclude everything else. Um, but it, I'm curious to see how these click free po- folks implement their Mac solution and if they try to piggyback it on top of a time machine thing or if they actually do kind of roll their own or perhaps they'll bundle it with some other pre-existing Mac backups. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they approach this. Yeah. Um, And also they they were showing, but they they don't have yet. But it's a product that is just a dongle in a sense. So it's the the device with the software. um, No drive. Um, And that's coming. Oh, so they either sell you a drive oh. if you want to get started right away or if you want to use an existing drive. Um, but again, that's not a product that's currently listed. They were showing it. So uh, okay. you know, something to keep keep your eyes peeled for. The third thing was from 3M. And I thought it was neat. It, I, I think it's a, a bit bleeding edge, but it's a MPro 110 portable projector. Now, I sent you a link to the site, Dave, and you saw. And it's really a handheld projector. I mean, you can hold it in your hand. And not break your arm. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's very portable. I, I would say the only thing it, it uses, uh, from what I understand, very bright LEDs and the technology in that space has really uh, come a long way. I, I've, I've uh, without saying too much, but I've worked with uh, some of these super bright LEDs um, as part of my job. And, and they have made great advances. And, and you can see this now in the field. You can see they have LED flashlights, LED bulbs. They're getting there. So this thing wasn't super, super bright like a bulb. Um but then again, it doesn't need a you know big fan and it doesn't make a racket, which, you know, that's the problem with some of the current ones. They got to get rid of the heat because they're making so much light. So I think and, it's, and a, it's, you know, it, it's like, you know, sort of it, it looks to me like it's a little bit longer and a little bit thicker than an iPod. Yes. So, you know, truly portable. You could easily throw this thing in your laptop case and just keep it there forever. Yeah. So um, so I would say it's uh, again, you, you may have to adapt your uh, environment to, to deal with the, the relatively low light. Got it. Um, but it's ultra portable. Right. Um, so I think that's great. And I think it's a, it's a, a you know, a peek at the you know, what's to come. And it's battery um, operated. Yes. So very portable. I think it's, you know, the resolution, I think maybe it's 12 by 1280 by 1024 or something. 1280 relatively- by 1280 by 768. Ah, OK. Ah, you have it in front of you. I don't <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's why we uh, compliment each other. So that's why we're both here. And and I think it went for. Uh, I looked online and it's three hundred something dollars, which is you know within reach. Yeah, you can pay a lot more for for a portable projector. That's right. If you want to pay a lot more for this one, we have a deal for you. Just let us know. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get it to you. No problem. And then the fourth thing I saw is um, SRS, and these guys have been around for a while, and you've probably seen their logo on some piece of either computer software or perhaps a, you know, a, a, a digital video recorder or something like that. Or uh, So they've been around, and I, I've seen their stuff. But they were showing a, a couple of things. One is that they do have an um, uh, iTunes plug-in that enhances uh, things played through iTunes. And just the demo that they gave, if you haven't yet experienced this, with two speakers, they do amazing things. Like they were playing back um, uh, a Pixar movie. Um, oh gosh, <laughs> Ratatouille. I'm sorry. And they have a scene where he's in a cavern, you know, cavernous thing. And it's just like night and day when you hear them activate this technology. So it's amazing what they can, that they can extrapolate from two speakers to make it sound like you're in like a concert hall. It's really neat. And then they also have, uh, coming soon, a device that you plug into your iPod. It's a hardware device that gives you the same sort of SRS, uh, uh effect. It, it just sounds like you're in a much bigger space than you are. Yeah. Um, very cool. So those are the four things I saw. Um, great little show. Um, and, you know, as we go to more of them, or I'm, I'm sure I will, <laughs> we'll uh, keep you up to date. So. Excellent. All right. Uh, let's get into the questions. We've got we've got uh, stuff kind of, uh, you know, it's a normal show, which means it's all over the map. Uh, Jeff writes, 
I've enjoyed using Macs for eight or nine years now, and in all that time, I have never had any issues with the function of the operating system Mac OS X. I'm using a Mac Pro at the moment with 10.55, and I've encountered a minor problem with the display of the Mac hard drive icon not being displayed in the sidebar in the Finder. As you can imagine, I've tried every solution I could find on the various Apple-related forum sites without any success. I had to resort to using Onyx to show all the hidden items and then made an alias of the Mac hard drive volume in order to get it to show up in the Finder. My question to you guys is this. Is there a solution to this problem that really does work? I have simply given up on reading forums because every suggestion out there bears no fruit when I try to implement it on my system. All right. So first of all, kudos to you, Jeff, for for finding a workaround, because um, that's actually pretty cool doing the Onyx thing and, and making an alias of a hidden item while it's while it's visible. That, that I like that. That shows that's that's got you've got moxie. But uh, <laughs> there is a solution here. And I think, John, you've got it queued up. So. Yeah, I think it. it shows some geek cred there. There it is. So, um, but anyways, yes, and, and I would agree this is buried in a place that you wouldn't expect. But if you go to Finder, Preferences, and then there is a Sidebar category. And that has all of the things that you would expect to see in the side, sidebar on the left. And you have to check one explicitly. And right now I'm looking at mine and almost everything except oddly enough desktop is checked. So I don't know why I didn't check that or if that's the, the default behavior. So that's where you find that, but I agree. It's it's uh, or I'll state it's in it, kind of a bizarre place. You would kind of expect that. Well, will this? Let me see if this will happen. I would expect. You know, I'm I'm kind of expecting if I right clicked on devices that it give me an option to list some other ones. Maybe not. Yeah. Hmm. I just think that'd be a natural thing to kind of twiddle with. So maybe maybe that'll come in a future OS. But it's a uh, yeah, if you don't find it there or you find a utility that in a roundabout way <laughs> enables that. I was also thinking of the dreaded invisible uh, bit, but I don't think that was the problem in this case. It was just you got to find the setting. Right. And and while we're here, if you go to the general tab in the Finder preferences. Mm. So to get there again, it's the Finder window. Uh, sorry, the Finder menu, which is just to the right mm. of the Apple menu. So Finder preferences, the general tab uh, controls, among other things, what you see on the desktop. So if you want your hard drive to appear on the desktop, you click that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, w- one thing is, we're, as we were talking about this here, John, I was configuring my Finder sidebar on this machine, and I noticed that under Places in the sidebar tab, mm-hmm. Documents was not checked. And I thought, oh, that would be a handy thing to have. <laughs> so I tried to check it. Won't let me do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pilot Pete's sitting right here. Hi, Pete. Hi, guys. He can, uh, he can, he can vouch for this. I'm clicking. It, it, you know, the the little checkbox wow. darkens, but no little check appears. There's this podcast you guys could call into, but oh, <laughs> oh never mind. <laughs> Thanks. No, Thanks. do do not invoke the recursive podcast uh, yeah, we, curse. It's, we can't do that. It's already we've already jumped from October wow. to November I if, back. I wonder if you have a permission problem there. That yeah, I was uh, able so to we, turn off other things though. Huh? Yeah, go figure. Yeah, someone help us. Help yeah. Dave. <laughs> Please, that's right. All right. Uh, so so that's, uh, that I believe that will solve Jeff's problem, though it creates one of my own. All right. Uh, moving on to Grady. Grady says, you guys mentioned OpenDNS on your last podcast, but what is it and what are the benefits of using it? Okay. So the... Can I, I start? You want to start this one? Well, no, I, I just want to start with the very basics because I know I really have not worked with OpenDNS. I, I read over their page, and I think in theory I know what it does. But I, I just want to talk about the original intent of DNS or domain name service. Yeah, okay, yeah. What go. it was supposed to do, and this has taken it to a whole new level, I believe, is that it was meant to translate between the IP address or the dotted quad, if you will. Um, I like that I think term. that was one thing they called it. Yeah, or uh, something. But anyways, um... Yeah, that's that's old old person internet speak. Um, But it translates between an IP address, which people normally can't remember too well, and a name. And that, in the beginnings, was what it was meant to do. Um, But however, because you use it so often, like almost all the time, anytime you access anything, either your email or your web, maybe you could build in some extra goodies. And I think that's what OpenDNS has, has again, brought it to a whole new level. And I'll, I'll let you take over, Dave, because you have the hands-on and I don't. Yeah, okay, no, so that's exactly right. So the idea behind OpenDNS is at least twofold. Uh, for one, it is a third-party DNS service that you can use 
as an alternative to your provider's DNS. Now, that that may or may not get you what you want, but but in many cases it's going to be faster and and more reliable than your your provider's DNS. So now let me let me ask a, a, a simple question, just yeah. because it came, if if it occurred to me, it may occur to others. But if I'm hooked into my ISP's router, typically yep. that hands out the DNS that I should be using. Right. So that's right. So if you're getting your your IP address automatically from your provider, it's going to hand out uh, their own DNS servers, but on your Mac, if you configure, if you go into the network system preference pane and configure a DNS server, whatever is assigned by your provider will go last in the list. So whatever you type in there overrides your provider. Uh, but if those fail, then your providers will fall into, you know, fall into line. So, it, you know, second or third or whoever you've got it uh, configured. So so the idea is you put this in place, open DNS uh, purports to cache more DNS entries than than most providers do. So lookups will happen a lot faster. The, as John was pointing out before, you know, when you go to www.macobserver.com, your computer doesn't know what macobserver.com is. It doesn't, it, you know, it can't route on the Internet to macobserver.com. What it has to do is it has to go and first, the very first step is translate that into a dotted quad or a, you know, an IP address, so 192 dot or whatever the address is, right? So, uh, so it translates that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Pilot Pete says it's like a telephone book. That, that, that's right. So it translates that into a number, and then that number is routable, and and the computer goes out and finds it, and it, everything works fine. So the faster that first lookup happens, the better off you are. Now that's step one. Step two is that. What OpenDNS lets you do is create a free account there for yourself and you can go through and tell it, look, if my computer tries to look up an address of a website that is a known uh, phishing website or spam website, uh, you know what? Don't let me go there. I have no desire to go to those sorts of sites. Please turn them off. And and so uh, by default, I think the phishing websites are excluded. And and honestly, that's probably enough. But if you have, uh, you know, adult content that you don't want uh, your house accessing or, or anything like that, you can go in and, and configure that. And sure enough, it'll go through and, and make it so that you can't do lookups to those things. Doesn't block your access to them. So, you know, if someone knows the IP address or knows a way around open DNS, uh, it's not an end all be all solution, but it is a, a first measure stopgap uh, and it works fairly well. So I, I use it here and you can see all sorts of stats of what you're looking up and when you're looking up and, you know, you, you can decide uh, if you want someone else having that information or uh, or not. But uh, but I, I like it because you can configure things and, and block those those phishing and, and adult sites and that sort of thing uh, if if you want to. So that that's why I use it here. And I, I found it very okay. reliable and much faster than than Comcast's uh, DNS. So. Okay, so it's doing, but because there are, of course, third-party products that can try to do this, either, you know, like within the operating system, Apple and Windows and all that offer ways to to shield you from certain content. So, right. um, huh? Yeah, but yeah. I like uh, how they, and I, and I guess a lot of the, uh, yeah, the kind of a subset of this is the services that are just meant to block spam. In which case, they maintain, I guess, they call a blacklist of right naughty email senders, and and the the mail server just says. Or the mail server tries to use the DNS lookup and, and it fails and it says, oh, OK, I don't want that mail. Right. Something yeah. Like that. This isn't blocking mail. Again, it's no, really, understood. OK. It's really only for the web. But but yeah, it, it, uh, another type of blocking would be what you said, a, a blacklist. And they do that. That's essentially what they're doing is they're using a blacklist of host names. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, some nefarious adult site.com is in their list of adult sites. And when you try to look that up, it says, uh, you know what? I'm going to redirect you to one of our pages that says you're not supposed to go here. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. All it was pointing out is that the, the email mechanism uses the DNS service in a, a similar fashion to block things that are undesirable. Correct. And Correct. In a, yeah. But in a very different way. Yes. Yeah. Different, but, but the same. But different. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. No. Okay. So this is this is good to talk about. So what John's talking about is um, a, an RB, a real time blacklist. Uh, and so we're done with OpenDNS, everyone. So just 
you know, know that we've moved to a different topic. So the idea is there are mail servers out there that are known to send spam. And when your mail server, and this is something that probably most of you will never deal with unless you're setting up your own mail server. But the idea is when a mail server comes to you and says, I have mail for one of your users. What you want to do is say, what's your IP address? And then you go look that IP address up in a very special DNS server. And this Mm -hmm. DNS server is not a server where you would go and look up uh, website addresses or anything. Essentially, you feed the IP address of the mail server that's trying to send you mail to this real-time blacklist server. And if it comes back with nothing, then you know, ah, it's an acceptable, we can accept mail from this. If it comes back and it, you know, is of a certain address, well... Then boom, you've got you know you've got a problem and uh, and you can reject that mail and and feel confident doing that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 what I said. Yeah, I was just trying to. Uh, <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't go deep enough. You, you sort of glossed no, over. You went deep. Yeah. No, that 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 was great. Yeah. Cool. So that's uh that's uh and I, On why that note, is my time capsule telling me it needs my password now? What? Yeah, this is not good. This is very strange. It's happy, though, so we're going to leave it alone. All right. Our uh, our first sponsor for this show is Circus Ponies, and we're going to talk about Notebook. Notebook is uh, an, it's a, an, it's an electronic notebook application. Now, Pete, you use Notebook. Uh, I do. Occasionally. Yeah, I okay. do. Yeah, my son actually is using it. He's in the uh, he's in the eighth grade. Okay. And he's using it with different folders for each of his classes. So he has different notebooks for each okay. of his classes. So you create virtual notebooks inside the app, and he's got one for each one of his classes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You can import, uh, obviously, documents, but if you want to import uh, uh, JPEGs or any other kind of graphics, that kind of stuff, you can put that in there. Um, PDFs? PDFs, absolutely. And then, uh, I, and then for, from what I understand, you can mark them all up uh, and a- add your own notes to the stuff that you've imported as well as just the text that, that you type in yes, yourself. Yes. Now, I've read that. That's a little above his level yet. But okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it, you know, it, actually, it probably isn't, but he, he hasn't been doing that. Got so, it. But um, uh, he, he finds it very useful to keep him organized when in a world he is otherwise uh, quite <laughs> unorganized. Oh, well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see where for a student that would be a good thing. I can see where you know organizing business projects and that sort of thing. The exactly, same idea. and they've got a lot of um, uh, templates. Okay, the, when you first go and and uh, a nice I think glo- uh, glossary or index uh, in the in the back of it. It, it, it. It's a handy little program. Cool. I found it very cool. very useful for him and me. Actually, it, this is available at circusponies.com. Uh, if an if you have a prior version of Notebook, so 2.0 actually, uh, you can upgrade for just twenty bucks, nineteen ninety five US, uh, until the end of November. After that, the upgrade price is twenty nine ninety five. If you don't have Notebook and you want to try it out, of course you can download it for free, and then forty nine ninety five is the single user purchase price. Twenty nine ninety five for academic users, and they've got a ninety nine ninety five family pack, which gets you three copies that you can use simultaneously on three different computers. So that's Notebook version three point from Circus Ponies. And I think it's time, John, to uh, to to talk to Mickey, if I'm uh, if if the uh-huh. if the bandwidth gods will uh, will allow. Hey, this is Mickey from Phoenix, Arizona. I just had a question about defragging a Mac OS 10.5 hard drive. I do a lot of work with uh, big audio files, and so I wanted to figure out uh, what I could use, what you guys would recommend for a piece of software that could defrag the software, or excuse me, defrag the operating system as it's starting to kind of get a little sluggish with me. Um, I create about five gigabytes of data a week uh, through podcasts and then uh, move it off the drive and been doing this for about a year and a half, and so the drive seems to be kind of uh, a little bit slow and trying to figure out what you'd recommend. Thanks for the question. Yeah, so, it, huh. and then Mickey, of course, John, followed up with another phone call saying, you know, you guys talked about this a few months ago, so uh, you probably won't want to answer it. And and normally we don't like to, to just repeat ourselves over and over again. But as I was researching his question, I did stumble upon, you know, I think last time we talked about Drive Genius, right, from uh, from ProSoft, mm-hmm. which is a great way to, to defrag the drive. Uh, this time... 
I looked at it at ID frag from Coriolis systems and I found the coolest feature in the world. And, and I just thought, well, we have to talk about this. They actually monitor, you know how your Mac has those, those temperature sensors that you like to talk about all the time, John. Oh yeah. And one of my favorites uh, is a thermograph. I think thermograph is yeah. uh, one of our favorite utilities to show you. And, and sometimes it's shocking the number of temperature sensors there are even, even in a portable machine. Yeah, especially in a portable, right? Because the system's got to manage all that with fans and all that crazy stuff. Well, iDefrag watches the temperature of your hard disk while it's defragmenting. And uh, according to them, if things are getting a little toasty, iDefrag will wait for the disk to cool down before continuing. So it'll actually pause its operation, wait for the disk to chill out, and then uh, and then you know resume things back up. Really. So yeah. you don't have to get to the point of a catastrophic uh, heat failure for yeah. the machine to shut down. Yeah. Now, honestly, I think that's probably a little overkill. I don't know how many drives have died during a defrag simply due to heat exhaustion, if you will. But the fact that they went and did it shows that, you know, they've they've kind of taken that whole Apple gestalt. Right. And 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 over engineered yeah. the product to uh, to, you know, to 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 take take uh take care of all possibilities so yeah check out id frag and then of course there is drive genius right um because in addition to defragmenting the drive which is they according to them the number one reason people buy it um it's also got some disk maintenance and and uh and disk repair utilities in it as well so yeah you know know, i'm gonna say it comes back to the fundamental question which is i think where you're gonna go john do you really need to do this even though, you know, I love the, the folks at ProSoft and they, they make great products. Mm-hmm. And uh, hi, Jennifer. <laughs> Anyways, um, I prefer to let the OS just kind of take care of it. So maybe you want to use something like, you know, I wrote about this a little while ago, something like Macaroni, which kind of nudges these little maintenance scripts to run. And uh, and we know that there is a built-in defrag built into OS ten that will deal with certain I guess what we could call problem files and tries to put them in the right place, uh, you know, if they're accessed frequently or they're large, um, things like that. I, I guess the, the what I think may lead to problems is when you start, when your drive starts getting full, when you start getting it, uh, that's when I think things may break down and you may want to, to, to try something like this. But I think as long as you have plenty of free space and the drive has the flexibility to shovel things around as it sees fit, then um, then again, maybe, maybe you do want to look at one of these utilities or buy yourself a bigger drive or use an external drive. Yeah, you know, for, for what Mickey's talking about here, you know, moving mm. big chunks of data onto the drive and then off of it and onto it and off of it certainly can cause fragmentation. Of course, smaller files are going to make it happen probably even worse. But for what Mickey's doing here, you know, th- this might be a good uh, argument for either, like you said, having a second drive or mm. even partitioning the uh, the built-in drive. And, and you know, there's, I mean, there's there's arguments about whether you should partition drives and, and that sort of thing. But this one, eh, this might be a, a whole, uh, you know, this might this might be a good situation to to partition a drive. So, I think oh no, no, oh man, you don't think so? Oh, you just blew. I hate partitioning. I know I do too, but, but for what Mickey's talking about here, if you know, I think he should have a separate drive, but if it's a laptop, maybe, okay. you know, you chunk off, chunk off like 10 gigs or something. If he's doing five gigs a week, chunk off 10 gigs and just let that be the, right. the dump zone. I, I, you know, <laughs> but there, but there is that whole, uh, a, a phrase that we will coin and, and we will only coin the acronym. Uh, it is a uh, LITFA, which is, you know, basically leave it alone. Did y'all figure it out? Okay, good. Moving on. Shall we move on, John? I think I think we'll we'll dig into this a little bit more later. But um, no, because I know Pete had some. Uh, should we go on a theoretical rant? No, not yet. We can go on a theoretical rant. What do I care? Well, a theoretical course, rant. Well, we talked for. about it bef- before, and, and I think do that with your iTunes question though. Oh yeah, your we iTunes sinking library. Yeah, you know, I don't know that we're even going to yeah. get to that question. Okay. It's so far down the list, so. Here we go. So, so, so I guess uh, the consensus, I think Pete, Pete and I are on one side and Dave's on the other. So we got to no. But But anyways, uh, as, as you may have gathered, a, a lot of times uh, my theory is leave it the heck alone. Um, the, the computer knows what it's doing, and especially Apple knows what's best for you. Just let the computer take care of it. Now, I'm being a bit silly there, but but I really think a lot of times and, and I think Pete pointed this out is that the, uh, I, I 
think that the Microsoft mentality tends to lean towards people that like to look under the hood and like to kind of, you know, futz around with it and this and that and kind of look at how things work and maybe try to make it better and maybe not always knowing quite what the effect of what they're going to do has. Seriously, I mean, there that, is a joy. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what you and I do? To isn't that how, a, well, how you to, and I make our livings? To a, a limit, Dave. Yes. Because sometimes I will push back and say sometimes you may not want, uh, you may make matters worse by looking underneath the cover. Sometimes, oh, that's the limit. Uh, no, that's the limit you're talking about. When, you've, when you break <laughs> it, then it's when you know that you've gone yes. too far. Yeah, that's how I know. So a lot of but but Pete, I want you to pick it pick it up a bit because I think you, you I think you you crystallized it before I, the well uh, yeah my point was that I, I'm a switcher about eighteen sorry. months ago I switched and uh, when I first brought all my photos in and I've got thousands of photos I screwed myself six ways to Sunday into the ceiling into the wall into the floor I had <laughs> files everywhere because I could not figure out what iPhoto was doing to me and I had I had so many different copies. And iPhoto was making copies, and I didn't want it to make copies, and it was doing And But I had to manage the file system because that's how you do it. You copy the photos over manually, and, and instead I finally learned to just let go and let iPhoto just, let go, you know, Luke. yeah, let it go. Lit fun. Yeah, exactly. But it took a while for that mentality to set in, uh, having been a Microsoft guy for years, to realize, look, this thing is it's going to do a good job for you if you just let the program work the way it was designed. And it even took a couple of calls to AppleCare, and those guys were like, well, you really don't want to. You can get a third-party library manager to do kind of what you want to do here, and, and that'll help. And then with iPhoto 08, that's that's all even taken care of now. It had to do with keywords and that kind of stuff. Sure. But I finally yeah. learned to let it go and let iPhoto do its work, and I don't care how many copies it keeps of originals and modifieds and all that stuff now. It, but it works beautifully. It and I've got thousands of photos, literally, and they're and they're in there, and I can find them quickly and easily. And the programs will work for you if you let them do what you want them to do. Yeah. Okay. So so we're we're not in utter disagreement here because when it comes to that sort of thing, I am totally with you. I, you know, I will happily let iPhoto just do its thing and leave it the heck alone. Right. And uh, and the same is true for iTunes. You know, please manage my stuff for me. But when it comes to, you know, tweaking little things in the command line and making things work a little bit better, even what, you know, for, for example, Skype tonight. Right, John? I mean, you know, I got a little <sighs> bit. of I let the OCD out of the bag a little bit. And uh, and and we started tweaking because Skype was was forcing us to do some relays and John's audio didn't sound all that great. And and so, you know, we tweaked and futzed and messed with it. And, and actually, we've got Skype sort of tricked out anyway so that there's no comfort noise or anything like that. And uh, and we pushed it a little bit further and John reconfigured his router and I reconfigured my router. And sure enough, we've got not a pristine solution, but better than uh, than it was during the pre-show. Right. So so there's there's times when it's best not to leave it the heck alone. But most of the time, I, I agree with you. And that's how I found you guys, because there are some things that I did want to do. And I did want to get under the hood and learn more about this operating system. And I stumbled across your podcast. And it was like some could oh, say stalked. Stock, no. yeah. Right. Is your wife still accusing me of that? Oh no, no, she's okay. she's oh, she's way past that now. The restraining orders oh, been restraining lifted and everything. Order, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Is it time to move on? I, it, I, it's time to move on. <clears throat> oh, it is way. Past. Michael, so go. Are you guys going on vacation? I'm oh, sorry. Where, yeah, done. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Can we go in another whole, whole other direction here? Uh, so Michael writes. I've been listening uh, for a long time. Let's see. The, the, get to where the point is. Okay. Uh, my department at work, my department recently switched over to all Macs for video editing using Final Cut Pro. Before the switch, I was the only one on a Mac. The new systems are all Mac Pros and are running the latest version of Leopard. The main computer network in the building is PC-based and uses oh. Active Directory. Oh. <laughs> it gets oh. better. The issue is as follows. Out of the box, the Macs are unable to browse the network. They can see each other, so the Macs can all see each other, and they can see a few servers, and the Internet's fine, but they can't see most of the PCs. They can connect to a machine by using connect to server and entering the IP, but not the name. The IS department is not very Mac savvy, but they have learned a few things. They decided to bind the Macs to Active Directory and also set up an open directory server. 
Honestly, I am not a network guy, so I'm not sure what they did, but it has resulted in very flaky network browsability. You can usually eventually get to what you want, but it can take many minutes and sometimes disappears. It is not very efficient. Okay. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about a, a couple other things, but in a nutshell, that's the problem. Uh, what do you mean that's the... Oh. I'm, I'm going to start here and say I've seen this issue on Mac-only networks without an open directory server, right? So no Mac OS X server. Um, it, you know, my network here at the house now, or, you know, the house in the office does have an open directory server now, uh, although I don't use it. Um, but even prior to that, occasionally, especially after the upgrade to Leopard, things were very, very inconsistent at times. I, you know, I had to do exactly what he said and had to go and type in the IP address of a machine if I wanted to connect to it or, or something like that. So, so there are some issues in Leopard that, that exist here, but (laughs) John, I know, I know you're going to, here come the, the gloves are off, right? All right. Well, I'm going to say I've seen this before as well, but mm. not the same this. What I have seen now, it, 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 it seems to me, based on, on the email, that we have an a, uh, IT group that's pretty comfortable with Windows. Um, I may also say that it sounds like they aren't crazy about Macs, and I think that's the start of the problem here. Okay. In that it sounds like they're trying to make the Macs adapt to the way the Windows machine works. So like Active Directory. Now, i got to say, I, I understand the basic concept of Active Directory and domains and all that great stuff here. But it just sounds like they're trying to force the Microsoft technology onto the Mac population. And are probably screwing up some other things. Because, for example, you know they're setting up an Active Directory server, which is kind of like a DNS server, but not really. It does some other things. But I think he also said that they, they set up, um, they, they married that to an Open Directory server, Open right? Directory. But, but still, it just sounds to me like they're really, it's people that are comfortable with Windows, and they kind of tolerate the Macs. And I just get the sense that they're doing something that, that's not making the Macs happy. Now, it could be uh, compounded by what you're pointing out, Dave, which is some network browsing issues with Leopard. What I would suggest this group does, because, for example, I have been, um, you know, I work in an enterprise where, uh, you know, I get communications from Apple's enterprise team, which, yes, they do exist. Uh, I think it's apple.com slash enterprise. Yep. Um, but they have an IT pro section, which is meant for IT professionals and may help them uh, learn how to set things up so it's more Mac friendly. Um, and they actually have seminars. Actually, I was invited to one. I, I can't make it, but um, you know, I'm sure they will not turn you away from these if you, you know, find an Apple enterprise rep. But it was a basically Apple in enterprise situations. Here's what you need to know. Um, so I, I would suggest, you know, if this group is open to it, and they may not be, but going to some of these Apple, you know, either the Apple IT Pro site um, or one of these seminars and just kind of learn how you can make Macs co- uh, happily coexist. I, I've looked at, you know, I've, I've, I've passed on some advice to, you know, some uh, corporate coworkers, which are, you know, like white papers, like how to set up Active Directory so that it works nice with Macs. And all that. So they have a lot of material. Sometimes it's not that easy to find. So you may want to, you know, again, get an enterprise rep or go to one of these seminars. But the information's out there. But uh, again, Dave, I just get the sense that you may be dealing with a group that, that has an opinion about, um, the right computer and the right network and uh, may not be totally receptive to having Macs on their network. If you... Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll put, we'll put links to a bunch of those sites and articles out here because there, there, is, there are quite a bit of uh, many resources available from Apple and, and elsewhere to, uh, to help kind of push along this path. All right, John, our second sponsor is someone we are welcoming back to the show. They took a couple of months off. Yeah, it's Audible. I know it's your favorite sponsor, uh, only in that, uh, you know, it forces you to do some research. I know you appreciate all of our sponsors. But, of course, Audible uh, at audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab gets you a two-week free trial of Audible Gold and one free book download. Now, the deal is if you cancel your trial... Within the two-week period, you pay nothing, and you keep the free book. So that, that's important. So it's audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab. And, uh, and John, what uh, you went and, and picked out a book today, and I, 
I I always kind of sit uh, with 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 bated breath, if you would, uh, waiting to hear what it is that you have chosen to tell us about. And you know what I, I've chosen, but um, you know I chose it just because it's that time of year. I mean, you know it. It's not even Thanksgiving, and you're already hearing uh, Christmas music in the stores, or at least I didn't. It really got on my nerves. But anyways, <laughs> but this won't because the book that I chose is in the spirit of the holidays and it's how the Grinch stole Christmas from Dr. Seuss. And it's narrated at least the copy I found here by Walter Matthau. Oh, wow. The grumpy old man himself. (laughs) And you know, there's short summaries here. The Grinch whose heart is two sizes too small, hates Whoville's holiday celebrations and plans to steal all the presents to prevent Christmas from coming to his amazement. Christmas comes anyway. And the Grinch discovers the true meaning of the holiday. And this is a classic that goes way, way back. I'm sure, you know, most of us older folks like me and you and and even Pete have had this read to us at some point, but it's a classic. So uh, why not check out the audio version with what I think is a great voice, too? That's great. That's awesome. All right. Pete, Pete, Pete just uh, chimed in with a with a book, perhaps if uh, if the Grinch isn't your thing (laughs) and uh, and 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 spy thrillers are. How about Vince Flynn's Extreme Measures? It's uh, it's bestseller. It's in hardcover. It's thirty five, forty bucks, something like that. But you can have it read to you for free. I just listened to it coming back from Japan this week. Oh, it yeah. was fabulous. For those of you who spend a lot of time on airplanes uh, with three hundred of your closest friends, <laughs> uh, you should cool, share your diseases, not your books. That's right. It's a great way to pass uh-huh. the time, and you get to hear some really cool stuff. Cool. All right, so we've got, uh, and of course, there's many other books out there for for Audible, but uh, but we've got Vince Flynn's Extreme Measures, and then of course the classic, The Grinch. I, you know, uh, I already have an Audible account, so so I don't get this free. But uh, but when when you sent it to me today, and I saw that Walter Matthau read it, I thought, you know, God, I got to download it, so I did. I sucked it down to my machine, and uh, and I'll uh, I'll go ahead and check that out. With the family, you should. Yeah. That's right. I will. I will. All right. Uh, we will we will talk more about Audible again this month because you're going to be up here this weekend and we're going to do another podcast, John. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, certain. Of and this. I'm doing my maiden and I'll just put a little plug here and then we'll continue on. Okay. But it's geeky. OK, so I got, you know, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm slow to adopt new technology, but but in honor of you know, know coming to visit you. Well, you may. You made two suggestions, Dave. One is that I get at least a GPS, and number two, I get a new car. Well, the I was, new car I thing. I suggested you get a GPS attached <laughs> to a new car. Let's get this straight here. All right. Well, that's not happening, especially in these trying economic times. Though I'm exactly sure the right time to buy a car. Well, it, you know, now that you well, assuming that the car company in question stays in business, so oh yeah, <laughs> this is true. This is true. But anyway, so I got myself a new V360, not the 350. So when I went on vacation earlier this year in Orlando, um, my friends uh, Josh and Abby brought along a new V350, which is, I guess, their ba- uh, the base Garmin model that uh, speaks the street rather than saying, take next left, oh, take really? next right. Yeah. It says, take right onto Main Street. Right. So, And it actually has a lot of different languages. Not all of them do the full text-to-speech. But um, So I got that. And, you know, I got to say, these guys... Oh, I haven't tried other GPSs, just the experience. They are like the Apple of GPS companies. I mean, the device is customizable. I was able to pick different icons for my vehicle. I have a police car, a fire truck, and a taxi. And I mean, it's so cool. (laughs) All right. So here's the thing. And and I I don't want to burst any bubbles, but if you want to talk about and and Garmin's good, you know, right now, both Lisa and I have uh, GPSs built into our vehicles, so we don't use the the handheld. But when we were the Garmin, we had a Street Pilot C330 uh, that. You know, you 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 were going to have to pry that thing from our cold, dead hands. We loved it, and and I said the same thing about it that you did. They the interface on that was better than what either of us have in our vehicles now. Uh, you know, very flexible, worked great. But the Tom Tom, I believe, takes it to the mm. next level. My mom's got a Tom Tom. She can go in online and reprogram her Tom Tom and say, look. I don't ever want you to put me on this road again and have custom preferences. And, and the maps are all sort of, you know, there's like a social thing where the people are constantly fixing the maps together. 
And uh, yeah, mm. it's great. It's great. But but that's not I, I don't mean to take anything away from the Garmin. But when you said it's the you Mac, it's the Mac of the uh, the GPS well, world. I kind of had to throw a nod to the Tom Tom there. From okay. What I've seen. With sure. It. Because th- they do a few other things and then we'll move on. But mm-hmm. uh, that got me to, to be like hidden surprises, which is the thing. Uh, the thing to me is uh, what I always like about Apple equipment. It's like, for example, if you have the main screen and it shows the satellite signal strength, you click on that. It yeah. shows you the satellites and the signal strength. Oh, that's of each cool. One. That's if good. you're traveling and it has your estimated time of arrival, if you tap on that, it'll show you a speedometer, which is frighteningly accurate. And the one thing is that it has a maximum speed, which for some reason mine says 81, which can't possibly be right because that's. Anyway, I'm sure it's right, John. In fact, I, I think it sounds. You're right. It can't possibly be right. It's much too high. It's now much provide your high. address to the Connecticut State Police, John. That's right. <laughs> but actually, the the, the and, and also this has an enhanced. I don't have the name of the acronym, but it's an enhanced accuracy feature. And, and at some point, because commercial GPS and Pete knows this, of course, but commercial GPS tends to have a inaccuracy built in, you know, versus military. Or I guess aviation. Well, I'm not sure if aviation has the. Uh, no, I would hope the aviation would not have the <laughs> inaccuracy built in. But but commercial, you know, consumer GPS has a, a thing built in, so you can't use it to drop bombs. I, I don't know. Right. Anyways, if you figure out a toy. way to drop bombs with your Garmin unit, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. The interface is cool. I registered it and I got a free map upgrade, which is cool too, because it's That's technically great. a discontinued unit. Uh-huh. But um, just it's speaking the route. And right now I have the English voice versus the American voice. You know, I, like, okay. So I did the same thing on my Garmin because I found the, the thing is so rude. It never says please. And, and it's, <laughs> and, and I, I'm about to offend a lot of people. So I, I'm just going to roll with this because it's coming out. So I found that the English voice, it, it kind of had this, it, it sounded a little more polite and also a little pompous at the same time because she knew she was right. And and so <laughs> there was no need for her to say please when delivering these commands to me because it was clear that, that she was better than me. And and nine times out of ten, I would say that the GPS was right. That our Garmin was obsessed with having us make U-turns. Uh, oh. So, so I'm not sure what that was about, but uh, but otherwise, you know, it. it it didn't. It tried to kill us a whole lot less than uh, certainly the one in our toy. <laughs> that that thing is. It really is out to get me. I, I'm certain <laughs> that it it is trying to uh, wipe me off the map, but uh, so to speak. Well, anyway. well, this one, this one too, and, and then we will move on definitely. But <laughs> the, I noticed this is when I was taking an alternate route home just to see what it would do. It told me to turn on a road that I know for an absolute fact is a loop. Mm-hmm. You drive in, you take a loop, and you come out again. And it was saying, take a left here yeah, when man. going straight or taking a right was the way to get home. So I'm like, why are you telling me to turn down this street where yes. so there's this is- absolutely no benefit to me turning on this street except taking more time or, or you know, are, are you colluding with someone? I don't know what's going on. So this has okay. become the gadget geek, Gab, which is okay because <laughs> I, I think I actually own that domain. But uh, um no, it, it, it's true. You know, when you're using technology like this and, and even the iPhone, right, because it, it does this sort of GPS thing now and it even has walking directions. If you know better than the than the unit, you know, don't don't be uh, don't be blind. Don't use blind faith with these things. You, you have to use some some common sense and, and, and let it take you there. And speaking of taking us somewhere, Gavin, please take us back to the Mac. <laughs> take us away. Hey, Dave and John. It's Gavin from the UK. Love the podcast. Just like to ask a quick question in regards to software update or combo updates. Recently, I upgraded my uh, MacBook Pro to 10.5.5, and since then, I've had no less than around 10 crashes where I'd either have to button it or the whole system would hang for 5-10 minutes. Reading through the Apple discussion forums, it mentions about rebooting into safe mode, restarting again, and then applying a uh, applying the combo update. Just wonder whether the combo update is the better way forward always to update something like this that's major rather than relying on the software update. Uh, this is where you're going to cut me off. It is where we're going to cut you off. Thank you uh, for the question, Gavin. Yeah, um, so a, cu- a couple things to talk about. Um, yes, when especially when you're having a problem now lately i've i've gotten to trust the incremental updates john you know the ones that that come just like gavin says where you know they're in the uh in this in the software update there but 
Yeah, and I think by default, uh, well, yeah, uh, so an incremental update, I think, is the default. Or, well, if it is an incremental update, it'll just have the name of the update and software update. Right, right. But it, it, software, update, out. software update will do the combo update if you're more than two notches back, I think, you know, or more than right. one notch back, right? It, it'll, Which, it'll go and get that. In theory, lumps one. Uh, now, I don't know if it's strictly, you know, if it's all the files in one update and the other. Probably not. It's probably the ones that are. You see what I'm saying? No. Say again. Is, well, so a, a, a standalone update has a certain set of files that it updates. A combo update has a greater set of files. Correct. But I guess what I'm saying is that not all of the files between, you know, the two may have changed. Right, right, right. Yes, of course. Yeah, well, the what combo I'm saying is that the combo has... is different in that it makes an assumption about the state of certain things, which may or may not be correct, I guess, which could yeah. be good or bad. Yeah, so the combo update will, you know, if you do, a, let's say you go get the 1055 com- combo updater, it's going to reapply every file that has been updated from 1051 through 1055. Whereas if you just apply the 10.5.5 updater, it's only going to apply the 10.5.4 to 10.5.5 update. Right. So that that right. one last. Thing. And just that in and of itself, there may introduce oddities. Do you see where I'm going here? Uh, Whereas, yeah. The in co- theory, doing the incremental updates should uh, versus a combo update. That, hmm. So say you want to go from 10, you know, some point upgrade, you know, point. 001, 002, 003, the incremental updates will, should reproduce the same effect as the combo updates, but I think they may not necessarily do that. Yeah, that that's interesting, because your your logic makes sense, oh, mm-hmm. but, but is only countered by uh, practical experience that proves <laughs> otherwise. But, 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 you know, as you started explaining it, I sat here and thought, well, wait a minute, it, that actually makes sense. There, the incremental update should be a safer bet than the combo update, but yet we all know the the opposite to be true. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do not just with the files that are being updated, but you know with the permissions that are being changed and, right, and all of that, right? right? So, so there's you know some of that that uh, that happens. And updates, yeah, I, I've been pretty lucky lately, but but certainly we've all had our share of updates that have that have gone south. Pete, you, you've got a you've got a question. I do. It's it's kind of a newbie question, but uh, That's a I good was thing. wondering if yeah, I was wondering if I needed to uh, repair permissions or uh, maybe even do because I I've listened to your advice and I do a lot of sleeping with my computer instead of rebooting all the time. Should I should I reboot before I install an update or repair permissions or what do you think along those lines? Do that help prevent some of these issues? John, you want to take this one? To me, I would say a, a permission check certainly can't hurt. It's not a bad idea. You shouldn't have to. I mean, well, does the... In, uh, no, I think the installers do not do that. The installer does it after the update, but not mm. before, okay. right? And and so I, I, my answer to Pete's question would be absolutely. You should run, uh, you know, a full Onyx or Mac Janitor or, you know, insert your favorite util- cocktail update here, right? Where uh, you're doing permissions and you're cleaning out caches and all of that stuff. Again, note that I said should. I definitely don't follow my own advice here. Uh, <laughs> so for what for what that's worth. And, and my machine seemed to run, though. You folks hear of all the problems I complain about. So maybe uh, maybe you don't necessarily want to follow my lead. Maybe take my advice. Do as I say, not as I do. How about you, John? Do you do the uh, you you do all that stuff, right? You're 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 very diligent about that before you let that thing up that that update fly. Is that right? Uh, usually, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, usually, so- sometimes, and you know, I mentioned I think both you and I do it. Sometimes I'm stupid, and it's like, oh, an update. Let me apply it now. Right. Because it promises some, you know, compelling new feature that right. I just have to check out. Well, sometimes you have to apply the update, like, you know, because because you've only got 10 minutes before the, we're, we're scheduled to record a <laughs> podcast, for example. And you just that's what I did, because that's the best time to I think so. an OS update is before a yeah. podcast where you rely on your system to be. Stable yeah, it's got to be totally stable and rock solid. That's right. You know, 
And speaking of totally stable and rock solid, let me see if I can bring in the band <laughs> without it totally oh my cratering gosh. everything. I, I actually Boy, had another time. question before you guys went there. You have a question? Yeah, yeah well. I do. If, right. if I wanted to like ask you guys a question, it, and I wasn't oh. me, how would I do that? Thank you so much, Pete. You saved our, our heinies again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so contact information, right, John? We got to talk about this because we, uh. we didn't make it to that part in the agenda. I had actually built it so that the contact we information didn't. was in the middle of the show. We got off on so many tangents that, uh, you know, time ran away from us. So, yeah, audio comments can be phoned in. You can actually phone it in and it means something. Phone. It's the only time in your life that you can phone it in and it actually counts for something. So, re- you know, really take advantage of this. The phone number, John, is 206-666-GEEK, which is 4335. So 206-666-4335. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com will get you your comments to us. They can be emails, of course, as you've heard us read. Or if you are so inclined to create your own audio file, of course, we're happy to hear that and play it on the show, too. Yeah, and you know, show notes, uh, or I'm sorry, our, our podcast page, MacObserver.com slash podcast. If you want to leave some comments in the uh, specific show, you can certainly do that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that you... Visit instead of macobserver.com slash uh, slash podcast that you visit macgeekgab.com because that will currently it redirects you to macobserver.com slash podcast. It might redirect you somewhere else very soon. It's all at macobserver.com. There's no corporate changes or anything happening, but but uh, we are doing some right. behind the scenes changes here at, at TMO that will be enacted hopefully in the next couple of days. Super uh, secret. I can't talk about su- it. Super secret. That's right. Yes. Yes. But you'll like it. So anyways, yes, so. on, on, on our page. Yeah. In the comments, we, we look at the comments. I, I know you do, Dave. I do. And uh, yeah. So if there's something, you know, very, you know, tied to a certain episode that you just got to get out of your system, um, that's the place to do it. Of course, uh, you know, you can also iTunes comments. Oh, we love the iTunes comments. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And you can download the show now straight on your, on your iPhone or iPod touch. Have you, did yeah, you do that I ver- or no? I have. I, have. You, I verified that. for you? Cool. It works great. Okay. I tried it today, too. I updated my iPod Touch to 2.2. And, oh, my goodness, in the, the uh, iTunes, there's a podcast tab. Yep. Now, oddly enough, you can only download individual episodes, it seems, unless right. I miss something. No, you're right. You cannot subscribe. Boo, hiss. But, hey, it's a start. Thank you, and, Apple. And is there a search? I'm not seeing a search in there either. If you're looking for something specific. No, there was a search tab. Was there? Okay. I'm almost positive. There was a search in the Mm. iTunes store. Mm. Because yeah, no, I I did have a search. I I saw a top 10. Well, actually I had one that, that it cashed from before, which was, you know, my name, which is part of the podcast name. And it cashed that. And when I, after the upgrade, when I clicked on search, it brought up our podcast. That's one of the matches. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so it's kind of neat cool. how the yeah how the iPod Touch or the iPhone kind of cash. Well, it's good and bad that right. it remembers the last thing you did on a certain page. In this case, it was good because I saw. Oh, and here, boy, they got to be freezing. It is cold outside, man. It's been in the teens every morning that we've woken up. And we since have I got not back from Austin. We have not yet had snow here in uh, coastal Connecticut. Neither, neither have we had it here. Yeah. Here yeah. again, we're going to get torrential downpours tonight and thunderstorms. What the? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Now, you know when there's going to be snow, Dave, is when I have to either get to your place or get back. That's right. Massive, massive <laughs> foot. Nor'easter you know, is plus coming. Plus nor'easter on Thanksgiving Day. That's right, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the haiku contest ended at midnight last night. Uh, but Macworld, we're not going to let any entries slip by, will we? Or No. No, absolutely. Is that a no, hard de- We've oh, already good. started. We've already started uh, evaluating them. And, and, and certainly by the time we do our podcast uh, this weekend while you're up here, John, um, we will have uh, we'll have a winner. Yeah. And we can, we well, can we're going to we're going to concur on those uh, over a, a beer or something, right? Yeah, that's right. Or, or over a turkey. No, we're not going to talk. We're not going to talk turkey over the turkey. Um, Are you having a turkey? Yeah, we're no. not doing turducken this year. <laughs> we did no, that for Christmas the, last year. Really? How about you did? Yeah, man. How about a tofurkey? Uh, mm. No, no. <laughs> you can, you, you know, if you bring one, we can cook it. But uh, we don't have one of those planned. <laughs> uh, and Pete says we're trouncing at him. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we love those iTunes comments. Uh, <laughs> iPhone Alley is 
Michael Johnston's home. He converts the show into AAC for you, iPhoneAlley.com and the iPhone Alley podcast. Cashfly hosting at Cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth that it takes to get this podcast to you. Mm-hmm. Podcast Marketplace this month includes the A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software, Disc Label from Smile on My Mac, Notebook from the Circus Ponies, and Audible at audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. And folks, that's it. I think we're, uh, we're out of here for now. Amazing. It is amazing. Technology. You're down there. I'm up here. Last week I was in Austin. You were still there. It all just works. Five years ago, you couldn't do this, folks. Ten years ago, it was a dream. John, uh, while you're driving up here and that thing hits 81, don't get caught. (laughs) Made up.